It started out as a search for info about his ancestors and turned into a book detailing one Illinois infantry's involvement in the war that pit the United States of America against the Confederate States of America. Today I'm talking with Jason B. Baker, author of Chicago to Appomattox, the 39th Illinois Infantry in the Civil War. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. For the full-length version of this interview, head to YouTube, search for Chicago History Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. As he is a military member, Jason has asked that I remind anyone listening that his comments and opinions in this episode are his own in his personal capacity. Jason, thank you for being with me. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm ready for this. Before we get started, I'm going to make you sit here while I read your bio. Jason Baker is an officer in the U.S. Air Force, currently serving in the National Capital Region. He is also a term member at the Council on Foreign Relations and a member of the National Security Fellowship Program at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Jason holds a master's degree focusing on U.S. national security and foreign policy from American University and a B.A. in political science from the University of Illinois. His passion is studying how strategic, political, and social issues affect military operations and vice versa. Jason is a color bearer donor to the American Battlefield Trust and enjoys following University of Illinois and Chicago sports teams reading narrative, nonfiction, and historical fiction, and visiting museums, historical sites, and battlefields. First off, thank you for your service. Thank you. Appreciate it. So you're not some guy that just saw the Ken Burns Civil <laughs> War documentary and thought, hey, that looks like it would be cool to turn into a book. Uh, no, I do remember watching the show uh, with my dad, actually. I think they re-ran it before he put out uh, baseball, and I was a little bit older enough to um, to, to grasp it. Um, yeah, and my dad was always one of those guys that, that liked to watch uh, the history shows on TV, and he got me into it. And, you know, as a kid, you, you kind of just take it for what it is. And then as I got older and was a military officer and started to kind of look at it from a the angle of a guy who studies political science and things like that. And, you know, what are the, you know, why did these guys have to go fight and, and why did they go where they did and what did the battles really mean? And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's what I was trying to do uh, with the book. Admittedly, I'm not the biggest civil war buff in the world. When I think of the civil war, I think of all the states in the Northeast uh, fighting the Confederate States, but in just one paragraph of your book, I learned that Illinois furnished more than 50 generals during the Civil War and that a distinguished Mexican War veteran turned leather goods store clerk in Galena, Illinois, upon 164 miles from Chicago, uh, was none other than Ulysses S. Grant. You're obviously a well-educated guy, but even the most schooled people aren't always eager to tackle writing a book. What prompted you to write this book? Sure. Uh, So... I knew from the time I was very young that my great, 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 so three greats, uh, grandfather, uh, on my, on my mom's side was a cavalry member from an Illinois civil war unit. And my 
grandfather would tell the story that he was Grant's bodyguard. That that's how it had come down uh, through the years. Um, and uh, as I write in the, the preface of the book, I, when I joined the military, I learned there was probably some truth and some embellishment to any good military story. Uh, but in reality, he was part of a, a cavalry company that was known as Grant's Guard. And at one point, they would be the unit that rode around with Grant when he was in the West, uh, rode ahead of him, got intelligence for him, just made sure everything was going to be safe for him when he traveled. So obviously, as you get older and then, all, you know, a pandemic kicks off and you suddenly get an hour of uh, your day back, uh, not driving to work and this and that. I wanted to fill that time. And I thought, I'll tell my family about more about these ancestors, this ancestor that we had. Well, I learned that he has two brothers, my great, great, great uncles. And I learned that they're in a unit from Illinois and that they fought in the East, which was almost unheard of. All, almost all Illinois units fought somewhere in the Western than what we would call the Midwest and the, and the Southwest, but learned more about them. And I suddenly started getting more information. I found a book that the regiment put out in the 1880s of sort of a yearbook. So then I learned more about those guys. And then I learned more about the battles they were in. And, you know, the next thing I know, I um, was talking to a professor of mine, actually. And I said, I would love to know the story of why the war was the way it was for them. And he said, that sounds like a book idea. And so uh, started writing a little bit, researching a little more. Some people looked at it. This seems like it might have some legs. Reached out to my publisher, uh, uh, McFarland, who, who publishes a lot of niche history, niche history like this. And, uh, and they liked it, and we went from there. So you were married with a small child when you said to your bride, hey, I'm thinking about going even deeper into all this Civil War stuff. How did that go over? At first, I think she thought it was like any other uh, project uh, that a guy that gets in his 30s and on his way to his 40s picks up uh, to stay busy when he's not uh, at work. Um, You mean like a podcast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So this is the natural order of things that I I end up talking about it on a podcast. But she had actually taken uh, our son home to visit uh, family for a while uh, in one of the lulls of... uh, when things weren't as bad with the pandemic and I had stayed back cause I had to work. And I think she thought, okay, well, I'm sure, you know, he's going to write a book and she came back and I had written about 50 pages and she thought, Oh, he's actually going to do this. I, uh, I make mention at the end of my introduction, the book that uh, the biggest thanks goes to someone who is admittedly and with no faults, uh, not very interested in the subject matter, uh, listening to me run things by her. As I recall, you and I became connected on social media when I had done an episode about the Libby Prison, which was a Civil War prison in Richmond, Virginia, which was taken apart brick by brick after the Civil War and brought back to Chicago to be used as a museum. Um, Super cool that I was able to educate you about that. And then, you know, now obviously we've been able to do this, uh, this, this episode together. You and your wife have connections to Illinois and uh, the Chicago area. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, so I'm not a true Chicagoan by by any means. And uh, I grew up just south of 80, uh, a farm kid, uh, and uh, went to University of Illinois, like you said. My wife went to the University of Illinois, and she uh, grew up in the southwest suburbs. Um, so she has a little bit more of a claim to, uh, uh, to Chicago. But, uh, you know, growing up in the days before... Uh, 
before cable. And uh, if we turned one of the networks on, it was the Chicago news feed and the Chicago paper and, and Chicago sports fans. And so, uh, you know, I've never lived a uh, city proper, uh, but uh, um, that's, that's my uh, relation to Illinois, at least. Later in the book, you have info on a large number of soldiers from the 39th Infantry, uh, including where they mustered in. Um, for example, you mentioned Rooks Creek, which uh, I, I got to say I was not familiar with. It turns out it is in Livingston County, which is about halfway from Chicago to Springfield. I saw a number of names from Chicago, but also a lot of uh, farm kids, uh, farm communities. Uh, talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah, I mean, I did the same thing. I would run past some of these places, and then I'd go, "Well, boy, I, I've played a lot of high school sports in a lot of small towns, but I don't, I don't know that one." Um, there was, a, I think. Over 150 from Chicago proper, um, but then over half of the com- of the 10 companies in the regiment uh, were made up of more than half the men from Cook County, um, as well as uh, Lake County, a lot of Will County, um, but as far south as Bloomington, and then some up uh, north in uh, Oregon, which uh, I, mean, I played a high school football game there once, and I thought we were in Wisconsin. So it, it, they, they stretched pretty far from north to south in the state, but by and large, um, they were from the, the northeast corner of the state. Going back to Rooks Creek, uh, which I, I think now has maybe 560 people back then, even fewer, I'm guessing. The idea of people from these small towns traveling to join the 39th Infantry seems pretty crazy to me. Do you still have relatives or in-laws who you told, hey, I'm researching our ancestors all the way uh, back to the Civil War? Uh, what kind of feedback did you get from them? Yeah, I mean, my whole family, uh, almost on both sides as well. Um, and then on my wife's as well is, is all still in that area. My dad admittedly knew more of these, uh, small towns, uh, than I did. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they all still live in these areas. Uh, the, the area where my great uncles are from is near where my grandfather lived. It's near where my parents still go to church. Um, they, they're places when you look in the back of the book um, that for a lot of people, even people from Illinois, it'll be obscure, but for a lot of people, it's, it's their backyard. Um, and really, that was my main reason for wanting to do this was it's, it's a really cool story, a very unique unit that saw three distinct areas of the war, was there at the end, um, but, but most of them came from small farm towns or they were, you know, they worked on the river loading boats or were carpenters or, or things like that. And, you know, it's just everyday people who did these, these amazing things that uh, are not as far in the past as really we think about. Um, you know, once you kind of peel back who in your family tree knew them and uh, you had a chance to know those people, um, it's not as far away as we think. Can I, Jason Baker, get you to read a little bit from the book? I think the listeners would enjoy it. Sure. There's a, uh, uh, there's a scene in the beginning, uh, kind of early on, where it's talking about how the, the regiment got formed, uh, which was a very unique thing back then. Uh, there's a lawyer from Chicago, uh, named, he had an office in uh, downtown, uh, named Thomas Osborne, and he gathers some other men of, of means together uh, after Fort Sumter was attacked, and he, they want to form a company. They're going to form a group, try to get 100 men together, and then... Uh, uh, attach them to more men and, and, you know, they're, they want to go serve. They want to do something. 
And the way that would happen is you'd basically, hey, do you want to join? Do you want to do this? Uh, we think this guy is going to be the leader. Uh, will you follow him? He's got some money. He can get us uniforms, uh, things of that nature. Um, so he did that. Uh, but then they ultimately got near a thousand men, uh, uh, 10 different companies, because they sent people around the state down to Bloomington, up to Oregon, down to Ottawa, Illinois, and Marseilles near where the first uh, Lincoln Douglas debate uh, was and where my ancestors were from. And so all these guys eventually make their way to Chicago. And it goes into the book how this was not an easy thing to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, by and large, they make it to Chicago. And they're staying at a building called the Wigwam, which had been uh, built for the Republican National Convention the year prior. Uh, and then they said, what are we going to do with this big building we made? And, uh, well, we'll use it to house all the troops that are coming here uh, to, to leave from Chicago. So, uh, the, you know, the scene here is uh, that they've all joined. Uh, I kind of go into I use a lot of the letters of, of a Northwestern graduate uh, throughout the book. Uh, there's a man from Chicago named Emil Guntz who had joined for the uh, three months, uh, went down to Cairo, Illinois, uh, came back, said, this isn't for me. But then all his friends started joining again. And so he changed his mind and he signed up for three years uh, with the 39th. Um, so then I write, imagine the scene as farmers and laborers come together with lawyers and entrepreneurs from around the state, bound by the counties they call home, their desire to preserve the union and a complete lack of soldiering skills. Young men in their late teens and early 20s, a 52-year-old and a 67-year-old cook, brothers and cousins, Democrats and Republicans, all ready to serve but needing guidance and organization. And then it goes into that uh, they ended up at Camp Mather uh, outside Chicago, uh, where they start to learn the marching and things of that nature. And uh, there's a little bit of humorous uh, anecdotes from some of the men on uh, how not well that went. Admittedly, one of my fears uh, of reading the book was that it might be too dry or too bloody, kind of war, you know, themed. Uh, I think it's important to find the balance uh, between the two. You know, you don't want to underplay the horrors of war, uh, but you don't want it to be too textbook boring. I think you did a nice uh, job finding the balance. Yeah, that honestly, that was... Uh... I didn't want to over-dramatize war. Um, as a service member myself, you know, it's, it's, uh, I see that happen and it, uh, you know, I have mixed feelings about, about that. Sometimes you have to talk about this is how many men were killed that day and this is what happened. Uh, it has to drive the point home. But I also tried to show that this was about, the book is told from the perspective of the men. Uh, I reference Lincoln and Grant uh, and, um, you know, the, the big names and the big battles. But by and large, I'm trying to show how the war, how they shaped the war, not necessarily how the war shaped them. Um, and I tried, like you said, to, to books where you're just getting lectured out with a bunch of facts are not for everybody. Uh, and I, what I wanted it to be was a story that if you're from Illinois, or you know some of these areas, or maybe you had an ancestor in the regiment, you're going to learn their story and get the broader picture of the war uh, while you're at it. Um, so you might be able to answer the, you know, the 10 most basic questions of who, why, when, and where, uh, but I'm not going to uh, make you uh, get a PhD in every last battle and movement. Much like you wanted to find out more about your great, great, great grandfather, uh, I'm sure there will be others who say, hey, my grandfather said that his grandfather fought in the 39th, and maybe they'll find uh, that, that person's name in your book. 
We'll be right back. Are you a Caribbean American? Are you looking for a podcast that truly speaks to your culture and identity? Look no further than Carry On Friends, the ultimate destination for all things Caribbean American, hosted by me, Carrie Ann. Dive deep into topics such as culture, heritage, and everyday life through the unique lens of the Caribbean American experience. You'll walk away feeling more connected to your roots. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American experience. Your Caribbean American community awaits. Absolutely. That's that's the put the roster in the back so that uh, somebody can go, you know, I boy, 39th and uh, they can look in the back and find their family name. Of everything you learned researching this book, was there anything that surprised you? Uh, I mean, one of the biggest ones uh, was in reference back to your to your Libby prison episode was that I had my great, great, great granduncle. Boy, I'm not as good at I don't know if we say granduncle or uncle, but three three greats um, was a prisoner there at Libby prison in Richmond and, and did die there. The thing that I found, uh, my uncle has all the letters from my great-grandfather, and I was able to look through them, and I say, unfortunately, it it was eye-opening, and I loved reading them. There wasn't much that I could use for my purposes, um, given that he was in a completely different area, but one that really stood out was the other great-uncle, the brother, writing a letter to um, my grandfather uh, saying that you know, Alden was his name. Uh, Alden Barber had been captured uh, during the Battle of the Wear, of Wearbottom Church. He saw it happen. I'll let you know if I find anything out about where he went or how he's doing. Uh, and before my great grandfather got that letter where he was in Arkansas, my other great uncle was killed less than a week later. So they uh, died within a week of each other uh, near near Petersburg. So it's. Um, you know, I learned so many different things that I didn't know of the little minutia of, of the war. But I was telling my wife once how I wish I had more about my great uncles, but they were just sort of regular men of the unit, which makes it seem like, well, they didn't do anything. Well, just the fact that the, these men were there and, and did these things and saw these things and gave their life, um, they might not have been remarkable in the story of highly interesting things happening. Um, but you know, they did by just being basic guys in the regiment, they did more than any of us can ever possibly imagine. And really it was just that, uh, you know, page after page of research or in the book is just these um, normal men from very humble backgrounds who did these amazing things. Um, And that's why I wanted to put the roster in the back of the book was so that if you knew that your great, great, great grandfather was in this regiment, but his page doesn't, or his name doesn't appear on one page in the narrative, you can still know that when I describe these battles and these places that they went, he, he was there. He was part of it. He, he did his part. More crazy stuff I learned reading your book. The 39th Illinois Infantry would travel over 6,000 miles by rail, waterway, and foot and take part in the final combat before witnessing the Confederate surrender at Appomattox on April 9, 1865. And that 1,452 men served in the 39th at one time or another during the war. There's a whole lot of Illinois pride in these pages. 
I mean, this is not men being drafted. This is men answering the call, right? Yeah, uh, by and large, uh, late in the war, they did have some uh, some draftees that that did show up um, to their regiment. But by and large, of the 1,452 men that at one time uh, or another served in the regiment, um, they were almost all uh, volunteers. But that includes the initial nearly almost 1,000 were strictly uh, were volunteers. Um, but yeah, I mean, they went from Chicago and they ended up in the Shenandoah Valley. And then they came home on a furlough and then they went, or sorry, I'm out of order. Then they went to Charleston Harbor. Uh, and another thing that I didn't know was how much of a battle we spent an entire, almost all year of 1863, trying to retake Fort Sumter, part strategically, but part symbolically um, as, a, as a way to show that war progress was being made. Um, they come home on furlough back to Chicago and then they head back to the Petersburg and Richmond area, and they're they're there for the last year of the war, which was just the um, I don't know the numbers offhand, but I know the the total deaths in the Civil War, both sides, all areas, the, an overwhelming majority of them happened in the last year. Um, just when it became a total war, and we realized it was only going to end by one side winning completely or the other. They were there for all of that. Um, so they had multiple times where they thought we're going to be part of ending this war quickly, or we're going to be part of retaking Fort Sumter. But finally, at the end, they do get to be part of ending the war. You included a quote in your book that I uh, thought I would read here. Uh, here we go. The old 39th Illinois was described as one of the most gallant of regiments and was as distinguished for its discipline and good order in camp and on the march as it was for its gallantry in action. That was written by Alfred H. Terry. I got to tell you, if you're going to be part of something described in a quote, this one's pretty good. Is there another book in the works? Are you going to take some time off, enjoy all the fame that you'll get from writing this book? Uh, fame, uh, we'll see. Uh this is a, I know, I, I realize it's a very, uh, you know, limited topic. Um, my audience is probably just one state and one part of a state, but uh, um, it's as good a place as any to say, actually, that I am, uh, that it's, it's not my day job. Uh, any royalties that I do get, I'm donating to various uh, local history organizations in, in the towns uh, that these men came from. Um, because a lot of those places have been helpful. That is very cool. So you'd say this book was a... It was a, a passion project. Uh, you know, it's it's not my day job. It's not how I make a living. Uh, and that, uh, and we'll see if anybody even uh, would think that one could make a living uh, once they uh, review the book and such. But uh, I, I'm very... I feel very strongly about finding ways that people can read a story, see a story in a movie and learn history uh, in ways that they don't feel like they're just getting lectured to or, or, or taught to. Uh, my various views on what I thought the war was about or things that happened are probably very clear to someone reading the book who, who, can, and who knows about these things and can read into it, but I, but I don't make it uh, preachy. It's very much a here is the war as these men experienced it. You will learn about the war, uh, but you will, you'll learn about the men that fought it more than anything. Jason B. Baker, author of Chicago to Appomattox, the 39th Illinois Infantry in the Civil War. Thank you not only for coming on the podcast, but for your service. 
we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. listening to today's episode about the book Chicago to Appomattox, the 39th Illinois Infantry in the Civil War. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by me, Tommy Henry. Special thanks to my guest today, author Jason Baker. As always, if you have questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have an idea for a future episode, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. I have links to the book discussed today as well as other related books and items if you or someone you know is a history nerd like me and would like to learn more. Anything ordered through those links, not just the items listed, may earn a small commission for the podcast and help offset production costs at no additional cost to you. Check out the Chicago History Podcast Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Farmers Only pages for articles and pictures related to this episode and past episodes posted throughout the week. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on the social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. Thanks, John. He can be found at Angel Eyes Art JKS on Instagram or via email at angelizartjks at gmail.com. I will be back soon with more stories from Chicago's amazing history. Until then, get out and explore when possible, learn more about whatever city you live in, and stay safe.